So, church family, you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 or look it up on your phone. Um, we are in week 19 of this series going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And today we're going to be reminded that we're set apart, we're consecrated for love, which obviously has been a theme of the, the whole morning so far. And so as we get ready to um, read this passage of scripture, I just want to remind you that when um, these scriptures were written down, they didn't have verse numbers and they didn't have chapter headings. And so there's um, some leeway here of trying to figure out, you know, where does one thought end and where does another one begin? And so I want to actually ask us to um, pick up reading the last verse of um, chapter 12, and I'm going to read through um, the first verse of chapter 14. And so this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall fully, I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. This is the word of the Lord. All right, I want to tell you about a gift a blessing in our lives that came one day on Dane's way home from work. He stopped by a used, I don't know what even the place is, but it sold used stuff. And um, he came home with a treasure. <laughs> he came home with a lawnmower, a used lawnmower. And so he showed me proudly this gift that had come into our lives at a good price. And so then came the day that it was time to use the lawnmower. And um, it started up, praise the Lord, 
But then those blades did not engage and go around. And so he's looking at this thing and he's out there and he's messing with it. And it's like, what in the world? Well, you know, you can push a lawnmower across your grass, but it is not going to be of any value if the blades are not going around. If you don't know how to use the gift, it's not helpful. Yeah? I mean, a lawnmower is like it's not really a great lawn decoration, so you're not going to just put it out there for people to admire. Um, and if you start to poke around or if he would have said, Gina, put your hand down there and see if you can spin it while I do this, it could have been bad, right? So um, you really have to know how to use the gifts. And so just like a lawnmower is vital for a lawn to look nicely manicured, the spiritual gifts, it's more than just looks. It's vital for the actual health of the church. We need the spiritual gifts. We're told in um, 1231 and also in chapter 14, we're told to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about this, but, you know, if you're thinking about 1 Corinthians 12, it's about gifts. 13, it's the one that you hear at weddings. And then 14 and back to gifts again. And it's like the love chapter got hijacked. Why didn't Paul put it in Ephesians where he was talking about marriage? He put it right here for a very intentional reason. God had him put love right there between talking about these gifts because we need to know how the gifts are supposed to work. And just like the lawnmower, if it's not working properly, it's of little or no value. Love is the way the gifts are intended to work. He says, I'll show you the most excellent way. That's in the NIV version. Now, scholar Kenneth Bailey, his translation, he said it this way. And continue in zeal for the higher spiritual gifts. And in addition, I will give directions for a journey over a mountain pass. A higher way. A way that goes up and above and beyond all other ways. Love is not intended to get rid of those pesky gifts that were given the church trouble in 1 Corinthians 12. When they learn how it operates, then those gifts aren't going to be troublesome anymore. It was troublesome when the lawnmower blades weren't working. When it worked the way it was supposed to, it was effective. Scripture talks about this life as a journey, a higher way. Some of the prophets said this. Isaiah, in chapter 35, he says this, And a highway will be there. It'll be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The redeemed will walk there, and the Lord has rescued. All those the Lord has rescued will return. They'll enter Zion with singing, and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isn't that a hope? A sure hope that we have when we walk in this way of holiness, this higher way. Jeremiah 6.16 talked about a higher way. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. There's a higher way. There's a better way. Love is the vital ingredient that gives all the spiritual gifts value. 
So when I was thinking about vital ingredient, who do I ask? I ask Dane because he does a lot of cooking in our kitchen. And so, Dane, what is the vital ingredient? And what, you know, you don't have to answer me right now. You answered me at home. So I'm like, what? what is the vital ingredient that would be important? And he's like, oh, I know. When I make cream of wheat, if I forget to put the salt in the water, no matter how much butter and brown sugar goes on it later, it isn't the same. It's not right if it doesn't have that salt. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I don't have love, I'm just a resounding gong. And so we got children in this place. Oh, there's a resounding gong. It makes a loud noise. And so I wanted to tell you, church, about this um, market. It was a copper market in Corinth. You all are looking at me kind of strange. Can you hear me? Oh. I was prophesying, I was teaching, but there was something I was doing that was getting in the way, and it certainly wasn't effective, was it? No. There was a copper market in Corinth, and they took hammers, and they would bang on the copper, and put it, make it into, they made it into all kinds of bowls and different things. But when Paul said, if you're speaking in tongues or languages, even of heaven. But you're doing it this way. It's not effective. Well, it isn't just tongues. It's not effective. If we look at this, he goes on to say prophecy. In verse 2, he says prophecy, knowledge, mountain-moving faith. In verse 3, extreme generosity, extreme service, even up to persecution. You can do all these things, and if it's without love, it's no value at all. Well, value in what? What is he talking about? There's, it gains nothing. There's no value. There, we are not going to represent God on earth. We're supposed to be ambassadors, right? As Christians, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we're not going to be effective in embodying the kingdom of God. We could work so hard on mission and end up really counting for nothing if we don't have love. Value also in preparing us to reign with Christ. Because this earthly experience that we have, we're actually being formed and shaped for our eternal role of being a co-heir and reigning with him. And so are we being shaped, and are we getting rid of that old sinful nature, that unloving nature? Colossians 3 was what was read this morning at the beginning of our service. If you look back there, it talks about putting to death anything of our earthly sinful nature, so that we will certainly, Christ is living in us and will shine brightly for the world. God is love. And those who know him also love. First John 4, 8 says this, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is agape, is the word in Greek. What does that word agape mean? Well, it's a Greek word that was rarely used. It, the meaning of it initially was 
having an inclination. You're inclined towards something. But then Paul gave it rich meaning. The Christians gave it rich meaning. How do you take a word that means something vague and all of a sudden you give it a new meaning? Well, think about this. The word text. Text was words written on a page, and when lots of words were on lots of page, it was a text book. Our neighbors have their house up for sale, and it says, call or text. You see, cell phones gave a richer, deeper meaning, a new meaning to text. They're talking about sending a little message over airwaves, and it shows up on your phone, right? Call or text us. Paul took the word agape, which means an inclination towards, and he started to give it layer upon layer of meaning. There's actually three Greek words that we translate in the one word love in English. Eros was one of those words, and that's passionate love between a husband and a wife. Phileo is another Greek word that we translate love, and it means love between friends or among a healthy family. And then there's this agape, unconditional, self-sacrificing devotion. And Paul starts to describe agape love in verses 4 to 8. And he tells the church that there's this higher way, this higher journey. Because the highly gifted church in Corinth was missing the key ingredient in the way that they were treating each other's. Now, maybe you remember some of these examples. We've been through, um, what, 12 chapters in um, 1 Corinthians? And so what do you remember from that? Well, they were fighting over which leader they followed. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Um, They weren't working independently as male and female. Pastor Elaine, you preached on that. They were being selfish at their love feast. And so some were going ahead and eating all the food and all the drink. And when the poor people that were busy working in the fields got there, there was no food left. Is that loving? No, (laughs) that was not loving. And it was really um, not only it was a shaming thing. It was a dishonoring of people. Other people were just getting puffed up and proud about their spiritual gifts And then they were saying certain gifts probably weren't necessary. They were puffed up in their knowledge. The church members had been judging and challenging their leaders. There was misuse of the good gift of sexuality in ways that were sinful and self-serving. There was dishonoring of those who volunteered for the church. And they put on a pedestal those that were paid paid for the church, right? Right? Paul was volunteering, and they were putting him down. All right, how is it that we are unloving as a church? Maybe we have some of these same unloving actions. Maybe there's a preference for one leader over another. Maybe you even talk about that, rather than appreciating that one sows and one waters. Perhaps there's disrespect of spiritual authority, and that makes leaders work less than a joy. What does it look like to disrespect authority? Maybe you don't return your care elder's phone call. Or maybe you're a no-show at a meeting or no-show at a prayer appointment without calling in. 
Or maybe it's flippant attitudes and even harsh words or challenges to your parents or your teachers or those that are in authority over you. Another thing that's very unloving is when God gives these beautiful spiritual gifts and people want to exalt themselves instead of bringing glory to God. And so just notice, when you're talking about using or growing in your gift, how many times do you use the word I? And how many times do you use the word the Holy Spirit or God? Pastor Jaleesa referenced my sermon on the manifestational gifts, and she said, Pastor Gina just served up a big appetizer tray and held it out. And did any of you turn your nose and go, ooh, I don't think I'd want to try that. Maybe you would just already reject that. And yet these are manifestations of God himself. How loving is that towards God? I think, Pastor Jaleesa, you also, in maybe last week's sermon, talked about how many denominations there are and how many denominations there are in the world Christian churches that have parted ways and basically said, I don't need you. I don't need you. Because of some theological nuanced difference. How loving is that? The church in Corinth was boasting about incest. We have churches today that are really proud of being affirming of homosexual activity. We need to have a higher way. Watch your email. You're going to get a little update on some training that our office bearers took this past year and some prayer points for our synod, our, our organization of churches that's going to meet this summer to talk about this, to know how do we show love where there's brokenness, and yet call for a higher way and point towards the truth of Scripture and hold the authority of Scripture. Just like what happened, in a different way but similar, to when somebody came in and talked to Mark and Tony. There was no shaming, but love and redirection and offering hope. The church in Corinth and the church today, we need to be taught a higher way. Notice that when Paul's shifting the description, he talks about love is this, and then it's not this, but it's this. And so he's just trying to put layer upon layer of that word agape to try to explain what is love. Friends, love is a choice, and we make it moment by moment on our journey. Love sounds great in theory. And if, when, this, when this passage is used in a um, wedding ceremony, I think sometimes when you look at the couple's faces, you probably see some combination of eros and phileo and maybe a little agape. Agape gets worked out in the hard times, in the trying times, in the difficult relationships and situations. I've been reflecting on love as I watch the State of the Union address. 
I watched the State of the Union and I saw deeply divided politicians that suddenly were united against evil. Did you see that? Quickly, suddenly, there was unity when an evil was named, something that was obviously wrong. And it made me wonder, what would it look like if we as Christians recognized the evil of our own sinful flesh and the temptation to be selfish and unloving? And if we recognize that evil... Because if we see what, and I'm I'm just going to talk about a current event here a minute, but if we see what Russia is doing to Ukraine and demolishing buildings and killing people and just flattening things and putting things on fire, and when we think about what our selfish, unloving ways do to destroy families, destroy friendships, destroy churches, set them on fire, so to speak, And I think if we recognize the true enemy of our souls and the temptation that's there, and we together would turn and say, I'm choosing love, I'm choosing this higher way, it would unleash a force of good that would transform this world because that's the gospel and that's what we're called to do. And so love is patient. It's two Greek words that mean far away in anger. So you put your anger far away and you choose to bear with somebody. Love is kind. It means treating people gently and softly. If a rebuke's needed, you do it in a way that's for the purpose of restoration. It's done carefully. Love doesn't envy. It means if you admire something about somebody, you don't let it turn into jealousy or resentment. Love doesn't boast. It's not self-exalting. It doesn't brag. Love is not proud. This means being overly self-confident or insubordinate to God or any authority that he's put over you. That's pride. Have you ever thought of that? Insubordination as pride? Love is not rude. It's mindful of social customs. And unless it's violating Christian faith, you try to honor the social customs where you're at. Missionaries understand this. Love is not self-seeking. It seeks the benefit of the other while still caring for yourself. Love isn't easily angered. I like this. Love has a long fuse. Yeah? How short or long is your fuse these days? I kind of think the world's cranky. I think I'm sometimes kind of cranky. Believe me, preach on... Preach on love and just get a look. Let the Lord give a look at what is in your heart. I've had a good look. And there's some things in my heart that need to be adjusted. I need to understand love more. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive. And Paul kept a record of what the troubles were in Corinth. But he did it not to bring vengeance but to try to help bring restoration and transformation. So there's a difference in how you might keep and remember something. Love doesn't rejoice in evil because that would be rejoicing in the destruction of others. We hate to see the ones that we love fall into evil, and we rejoice when they're walking in the truth. 
Love trusts. It gives the benefit of the doubt. It avoids suspicion. How are you doing with giving the benefit of the doubt to somebody that said something to you that was hard? Love trusts the good intentions of others and yet it's appropriately careful if trust has been broken. And that's important to remember. Some of you have gone through really difficult relational things. And um, there's much more pastorally that could be said about how to apply this. Love hopes. It remains optimistic. And love perseveres. The quality of our love becomes evident when we have to endure trials. And when we think of persevering love, we think of Jesus. Let Christ's love be the standard for our love. And so, as I've been reflecting on the definition of love, as I've been thinking about this word agape and how Paul says there's a way that we can use our gifts to be of great benefit, and it has to be partnered in the manner of love, in this walking this higher journey. And I thought about this song that um, Misty Edwards sings from Arms Wide Open. The lyrics say, what does love look like is the question I've been pondering. What does love look like? If all of life comes down to love, then tell me, what does love look like? It's the question I've been pondering. Then I sat down a little frustrated and confused. If all of life comes down to love, then love has to be something more than sentiment, more than selfishness and selfish gain. And then she sings, And then I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. She's referencing Jesus. I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. He was looking at me, looking at me at him, staring through me, and I could not escape those beautiful eyes. He had arms wide open, a heart exposed. Arms wide open, he was bleeding, he was bleeding. Arms wide open, heart exposed. Arms wide open, Then he was bleeding, he was bleeding. This is the definition of love. How do we grow in our love? Friends, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We look at his love that he would lay down his life to cover us and our sin. We pray for love. And we grow in the ability as we see that he was inclined towards us. And we receive his love, just like Jackie talked about, receiving his love. Then we grow in that agape, in that inclination towards him. And that inclination towards our neighbor. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your deep love. Lord, I pray that... Any action that we take, any gift that we use, would be partnered and done in a manner that is loving and reflects and manifests you, Jesus. We pray that you would exalt yourself and that you would advance your kingdom as we walk in this higher way of agape.
in Jesus' name. Amen.